This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hello and welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Emma Benner, and today I'm sharing episode 91 with Shante Smith. Shante is the Systems Transformation Advisor at Community Solutions, which is a nonprofit organization that is working to create a lasting end to homelessness. They are proving that homelessness is solvable with their movement of Built for Zero. Through that, they are working with more than 80 cities and counties using data to change how they work and the impact that they can achieve. This initiative is proving that it is possible to make homelessness rare and brief and achieving the milestone of functional zero. Shantae has many years of experience in various roles in the homelessness response system. And as you'll hear in this episode, she is just so incredibly passionate about this work and about making an impact in the world. In this episode, she shares about her role at Community Solutions, the backstory of why she is passionate about this work, some stories of people that she has worked with and helped out of homelessness, things that we can all do to help people experiencing homelessness in our own community, and so much more. I really loved my conversation with Shantae, and I just left the conversation so inspired and just grateful that I get to talk with people that are so passionate about making an impact in their community, and Shantae really is one of them. So with that, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Shantae. All right, today on the Illuminate podcast, I am so excited to be joined by Shantae Smith, and she is joining us um, to chat more about her work and her role at Community Solutions, a really incredible nonprofit that I'm excited to learn more about and get to share with our audience. Welcome to the show, Shante. Hello. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yes. So why don't we just get started with you introducing yourself and talking more about your current role at Community Solutions? Um, So hello to everyone who's listening. As she said, I am Shantae. I am with Community Solutions. My official title is a systems transformation advisor um, that works on what we call the large city team. Um, Our large city team is comprised of folks, um, a couple advisors like myself, who are dedicated to specific large cities across the nation and working with them to transform their system um, and really get down and dirty as to their efforts to ending homelessness and how we can make sure that those processes are aligned, that it makes sense, that it's coordinated and it's collaborated uh, within their community, um, and hopefully getting to that finish line of of ending homelessness. So the whole time you've been at Community Solutions, have you had that specific role or have you kind of bounced around a bit? Great question. So actually, I was just promoted to this role in mid-March. I started my journey at Community Solutions at the top of the pandemic. So last March of 2020 was my first day at Community Solutions, Um, March 2nd to be exact. I met part of the Community Solutions team in LA for a training. Then we were there for a couple days and we came home and the whole world went on lockdown. Um, It's been that way ever since. I started at Community Solutions in the role of an improvement advisor. So as an improvement advisor, I was lucky enough to be on a team of a couple of other folks where we um, were kind of like that front line of defense for folks that were kind of joining the Built for Zero Collaborative and and getting um, in partnership with Community Solutions We worked with them on building their foundations. We helped them figure out what it means to define what it means to end homelessness. We helped them figure out what their data and their system looks like and making sure that they had the capacity, the foundational capacity to continue their journey in their efforts to end homelessness. 
Um, and as I said, I was on that team for about a year. And then I came to the large city team in March of this year. So we're a couple minutes in, and I think the most clear thing is you're very passionate about the work that you do. Um, so where does that passion come from, and how did you get started working in this field, working with the homeless population? Sure. So my passion comes from my parents. I was fortunate and lucky and blessed to be raised by my mother, who was a single mom, and my grandparents, who I actually refer to as my parents because I don't know them any other way. Um, the three of them taught me to love fiercely and to love hard. And my family has a history of coming from poverty, um, living in the projects in Louisiana during the Jim Crow period, um, experiencing segregation and poverty and racism and things like that. Um, my grandparents were amazing people and they built a life um, together and it was this beautiful life and thankfully I am blessed to be a product of that life. And one thing that my grandparents and my mom always taught me was to take care of the people around you. You never know someone's story. Someone is coming from somewhere. Someone has experienced something, but that does not make them any less deserving to feel good about themselves, to feel good in the life that they live. And that is just something that I've just carried with me always. Um, I started this work because about 10 years ago, I was doing some volunteering at a local DV shelter, um, and DV is domestic violence. In this domestic violence shelter, they had an on-site childcare facility. So my volunteer hours is that I would go and hang out with the kids all day. We'd color, we'd play on the playground. We'd do all the fun kid stuff because when you think about children who are entering into systems like these or experiencing the horrific effects and trauma of domestic violence, like you will do everything that you can just to allow them that freedom to be a child, to be safe to be free um, and to grow. And I got to a point where I was thinking to myself, wow, this work is something I want to do. I want to be very much involved with the, these systems and I very much want to help people. Um, thankfully, a job opportunity um, opened up at the shelter where I began as an overnight shelter staff, actually. I worked overnights for about a year and a half and then that kind of propelled me into the career that I have, into the place that I am now in my career. Wow. It's so amazing to see um, you take your background and everything that you know and have experienced and your family has experienced and and take it and, and implement it into your life. You know, your whole life now is kind of centered around making a change for other people who have experienced similar things. So that's that's amazing to see. Yeah, thank you. What do you think your mom and your grandparents and everyone in your family kind of thinks of the work that you've you've started doing and you're able to do to make a difference in other people's lives that are experiencing something that they themselves did? So uh, this is the part where sometimes I get a little emotional. So mm -hmm. if you hear my, my voice uh, fluttering, please bear with me. Um, I unfortunately lost my grandfather in 2007, and that was prior to me starting this work. Um, we lost him to the fight to cancer, um, but I'd like to believe he's still with me, and I'd like to believe that he is proud of the person and the woman that I've become today. Um, unfortunately, I also just lost my grandma just this past July to the COVID-19 um, and other effects, and I will tell you this, one of the most cherished moments I will forever remember. And it was one of the last moments and last conversations I got to have with my grandma where we were talking about work because um, she was getting to the point where she wasn't able to be alone. So um, there would be certain days of the week that I would be with her at, at home in her room, just hanging out with her and making sure she can get herself up whenever she needs to and getting her her meds and things like that. Um, and this is before she went into the hospital the final time. She heard me on a work call, actually. I was coaching one of my communities as they were struggling with some data pieces and some outreach topics. And when I got off the phone, she looked at me and said, I'm really proud of you. And I'm very thankful 
for how much you take care of me, but for how much you take care of people around you. And I need you to remember to continue to say your prayers. God is going to bless you. And I love you. And I'll never forget that. And so I kind of just carry that with me. And my mom, I'm, I'm so thankful she is here. My mom is my rock. My mom is one of my biggest cheerleaders. Anytime I, I share a big announcement or something on Facebook, she's the first one to reshare it. And it's always with the hashtag, that's my kid. Um, she's the first one to say like, hey, what's going on? And if I tell her some good news, she's like, okay, like, let's go get a glass of wine. And I'm like, okay, mom. And if she calls me and says, hey, and I've got some bad news, she'll be like, okay, let's go get a glass of wine. And I'm like, okay, mom. So I just... I have some really supported people in my corner and the people who raised me, I am eternally gr- grateful for. That's so special. And I'm, I'm sorry to hear about the loss of both your grandma and grandpa, but to hear that story of how proud she is of you and rightfully so with, with all of the incredible work you're doing, that's amazing to hear. Thank you. Yeah, so I do want to dive into more about community solutions and some of the work you do there and all of that. And first off, I want to just start out with learning more about the terminology. Um, I've heard the term used before to say people experiencing homelessness um, used before used that before to describe those that are homeless. Um, is that the terminology that we should all be using or is there a better way to talk about it in the most respectful way? Honestly, that's a really great question. And there are a lot of folks who kind of go back and forth between referring to folks as um, people who are experiencing homelessness or unhoused neighbors. There is no specific right or way, wrong way to explain this. So homelessness is about broken systems and not about broken people. This was actually a quote that was said by one of our fearless leaders, our, our president, Roseanne Haggerty, who is just absolutely amazing. And she explains this so well. When we're talking about homelessness, homelessness is an experience. It is not how we define a person. It is the way that a person is moving through a certain point in their life for however it may have been created or whatever, for whatever reasons it landed them there. We have to humanize them because they are people. They matter. It is someone's mom, sister, brother, friend, uh, spouse, anything of the sort. They are people and they just happen to be experiencing this very horrible systemic issue. Um, I, and again, there have been some folks that prefer to say unhoused neighbors. That's equally okay because that is also true. Um, but again, we have to be sure that we humanize people for who they are, not for what they're experiencing. I love that. And I'm sure all of the individuals that you work with or anyone encounters that are experiencing homelessness at the time are so thankful for that too, because it really doesn't define them. And if they're just given a little assistance and, and some guidance and, or just a different situation, you know, it really won't define them forever because they'll be in a different situation and they won't be experiencing the homeless homelessness. Yeah, of course. And I mean, we have to be realistic that unfortunately, some people do spend majority of their young adult and adult life experiencing homelessness. Sometimes they don't ever escape poverty. They don't ever get the chance to escape homelessness. And for those people, my heart breaks because that just tells me we failed them. We failed them at some point along the way. And we're working really, really hard to make sure that those failures stop and we have more successes and we're able to give people that safety, um, that validation that they matter, that we know them, we see them, we honor them, and we're working really, really hard to help them get back to where they want to be. I love that. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I like that you point that out, that it honestly is oftentimes privileged for those of us that aren't experiencing homelessness just because we you know, might have been born into a different family. It was kind of the Mm -hmm. luck of the draw in that situation. Mm -hmm. And you're right. And when you talk, I'm thankful that you brought up just the term privilege because sometimes when people hear the word privilege, it gets um, 
associated to other parts of the conversation, but we have to be very honest with ourselves that yes, there are very many of us that are very well privileged. In short, it could be because of the family we're born into or the economic circumstance that we're born into and things like that. But at the same time, we all live in the same world where the system itself is very much broken. And sometimes, or oftentimes, targets certain other individuals and continues the cycle of oppression um, and continues the cycle of uh, poverty, continues the cycle of discrimination, and it just, it perpetuates itself and we just have to do better in recognizing, yes, we may have had have this privilege, but we also have to know that any given moment, that privilege can be revoked from us within the blink of an eye and we not even recognize it. Yes. Wow. That's powerful. Um, so can you talk more about what Community Solutions does and then the evolution of the different campaigns that you you guys have had, such as like the 100,000 Homes campaign and Built for Zero and all of those. So just talk about um, what you do and how it's evolved over the years. Sure. I'm really hopeful that I will be able to do this justice. We have some amazing leaders, Jake McGuire and Beth Sandor, who are principals of Community Solutions. And as as I said earlier, Roseanne Haggerty, our CEO, president of Community Solutions. And they can definitely explain this a lot better. So I'm going to give my hardest. So um, when it comes to Community Solutions, Community Solutions itself is one of the most amazing organizations I've had the privilege of knowing. I've had the privilege of working with and now I have the privilege of working for. They are um, a national nonprofit organization that has a couple of different components and arms, but more specifically, they are a national nonprofit organization that is focused on ending homelessness. Um, we try to uh, differentiate ourselves from other organizations or like technical assistance type programs because we are really focused on quality improvement We are really focused on making sure that you have that data to inform your decisions, to make those necessary changes and drive those reductions in your community and functionally end homelessness and sustain that across all uh, populations. Um, When Community First Solutions first originated, you you mentioned some of the campaigns. You might have heard of the 100,000 Homes campaign. Um, the 25 cities campaign, the Zero 2016 campaign, and now Built for Zero. It is common to these many different iterations because we recognize that there are certain times and certain moments of this work that have a call to action to make great changes. 100,000 Homes was all about housing 100,000 people in 100 days. Um, We realized that we were counting up when we should have been counting down. Then it changed over to the 25 cities campaign with a lot of um, great support from local providers, organizations across the nation. Um, And then we morphed into zero 2016 of getting to functional zero by the end of 2016. And now here we are at Built for Zero. And Built for Zero is where we're really focusing on counting the total number of people experiencing homelessness and counting that down to ensure that we are building these equitable, sustaining systems that create a homeless experience that is rare, brief, and one-time occurring space. So something that I love about Community Solutions is that homelessness is solvable. Can you explain how, how this is possible, some of the key ways to solve it, and how we can also prevent it for people? Yes. So, um, Honestly, homelessness is solvable. We have communities and people working really, really hard in these communities across the nation, proving this every single day. Within the last two weeks, we actually just had two communities reach a milestone of what we call functionally ending veteran homelessness to prove that homelessness is solvable. We're utilizing data-driven and a human-centered approach, really taking the time to dig into the data Um, collective of the folks that we serve, digging into the data of what your system is, how it's actually functioning and how you all as a region, as a community are collaborating and coordinating together and making sure that those foundational pieces are there as you continue on through this work. And again, always humanizing the work because 
by humanizing the work, it gives us this ability to really see what we are doing. Um, when we say that we humanize this work, more specifically, we're talking about creating what we call a by name list. This is some hard work. Uh, it looks a little different in every single community and some of us are, are still trying to truck along and figure it out because it's a really big lift and it's a really big collective and collaborative effort throughout multiple agencies, local, state, federal, so on and so forth. So a by name list is literally a list of every single person experiencing homelessness by name. So when we all come together and start meeting to figure out like, okay, where are our data points today? Where do we hope to be in the next couple of weeks? And who can we prioritize right now based off of um, internal like processes throughout the community and things like that and other criteria to be able to move them to the next phase of hopefully ending and sustaining their homeless experience. So often at times you keep mentioning like veteran homelessness. Does community solutions work particularly in ending veteran homelessness or is it for all populations too? Sure. Great question. And I think I'm, I'm very much uh, tied always to ending veteran homelessness and talking about that. Um, my grandfather was a veteran and my uncles are also veterans of many different branches. Um, community solutions itself we focus on ending homelessness for all single adults, whether you fall into a specific uh, special population or not, as well as families experiencing homelessness. We have really great people on our team who have a very deep and very beautiful line and of sight and expertise into these populations, whether it's veteran, whether it's youth, whether it's family or people who are experiencing chronic homelessness or even those single adults that don't fall into any of those categories. I can specifically might say myself for the, the team that I'm currently working with, um, we do have a veteran focus while still maintaining our focus on the other subpopulations as well. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I was just curious if like if you have to do different types of work to end homelessness for different types of populations. Wow, that's a really great, insightful question first. So thank you for asking. And the answer is yes, because ending homelessness is not a one-size-fits-all approach by any means. Every person has a different story. Every story needs a different solution. And every solution needs a different amount of support. So what it looks like to end veteran homelessness can somewhat look the same when you're trying to end youth or chronic homelessness, but with other variations because those populations have very different needs. So we need to make sure that we're recognizing those needs and we're recognizing the differences in, in people and their stories and their experience to be able to adequately serve them and serve them with grace and with dignity. So while homeless, homelessness still exists and you're still working at ending it, what are some things that we can all do in our own lives to support those that are experiencing homelessness? I don't know if the best thing we can do is donating to a shelter, giving food or money directly to the individuals, volunteering somewhere. Yeah, tell us what the best thing that we can do is. Yeah, so... Um if you are a person who loves to be with other people and loves to get to know other people and, and hear their story and what their life has been like, I encourage you to volunteer. I encourage you to get connected to local organizations, not nonprofit or for-profit, whatever floats your boat. Um, any kind of connection to local organizations is always great. If you're someone who likes to really have that like face-to-face -face time and really feel like you're physically making like a contribution, do it. I support it. There's many of us that support it. We just encourage you just to don't go out there as like a lone ranger. Go with people who are experienced in this work and hear from them what this experience has been like and let them teach you some tips and tricks about um, connecting with people, about removing your biases to be able to go out into the street and to carry on a conversation where you're safe, the person you're speaking to feels safe, and that it's a, a liberated, brave, and open space where you are feeding into each other. Um, I encourage folks, when you're thinking about giving, give to your local organizations. 
they need it. Um, there are a lot of grassroots organizations. There are a lot of bigger organizations that need all the help that we can get because it's not enough for some of the um, funding streams and sources to come in because at any given moment, those can end. But when you have the support of your community and your community understands the, the true mission of what you're trying to accomplish, that is one of the things that sets a lot of up a lot of us up for success. And one of the other things I would encourage you to do is that get involved with your community. One of the things that has become very uh, big deal to me is advocacy. Some people may not be into politics. You might be into politics, but it, it, there could be levels to the, the depth of politics you, you choose to get into. But get involved in advocacy because that matters. You, you may not know how much of an impact you can make when you're sitting at those local city council meetings, when you're having conversations with your local state representatives, or if you're able to get in with your local senator to say like, hey, this is actually a problem and we need your help in solving this. I had the privilege of uh, getting connected to a, a local organizing group here in my home state that taught me a lot that, yes, I recognized how much homelessness and poverty and, and segregation, discrimination and all of these things still very much occur. But that does not mean that I can't do my part to help. That does not mean that I can't get connected to figure out what are these local um, house bills that might be coming up that impact my community. And by my community, I literally mean like my legislative district. Um, what are some of the zoning laws that are kind of going on? What are some of these community meetings that are happening and how are these messaging um, messages being provided and received? Because I think um, one of the things that deter people who aren't in this work to get involved in this work is that they have this very, um, and I don't mean to be offensive, but distorted idea of what it means to be a person experiencing homelessness. People automatically go to the idea that, oh, they're mentally ill or, oh, they're a drug addict or, oh, they're an alcoholic or, oh, they're um, involved in prostitution. That's not always necessarily the case. And even if it is, I think as humans, we still have to do our job to sometimes, A, save people from themselves, but B, advocate for them because we never know what happened to them and what got them to that point. Um, and the work that we do locally and the support that we give locally contributes to the, the success and the healthy track of their life. I'm so glad you mentioned that point about people thinking that um, people that are experiencing homelessness are always mentally ill or there's just some underlying problem. And I think that almost comes from, and I don't know, but I think that almost comes from like a level of fear maybe that can cause a level of fear. Maybe that's it, that then people are afraid to go out there and have a conversation with them or help them in some way. And um, so I'm gl so glad you mentioned that because I think that's really important to kind of break that stigma and that stereotype of people that are experiencing homelessness. And like, like we talked about earlier, you know, it is oftentimes something that comes from privilege that we aren't in that situation. So it's almost like um, humanizing it and, and normalizing it where it's like that could be us, you know, it's like we almost got lucky. So it's it's good to mention just so it, it almost bridges that gap of like, there's something for everyone to go out there and do. And that's why I loved how you mentioned there's an option to donate. There's an option to go directly and work with people or volunteer or even just call legislation. All those different options. If someone's passionate about it or leaves this conversation becoming passionate about it, um, there's something for everyone. Even if you can't give a big lump sum of money or don't have a much time, there's something for everyone to do to help this problem. Yeah, there definitely is. And I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said it could be the fear that creates that narrative, or it's the fear that prevents folks from understanding the narrative. And I think either way, fear is a nasty perpetuator of other negative like ramifications. Um, and I just encourage you and maybe those three options that I gave isn't something that you want to do. Maybe you feel like you need more education about the topic of homelessness and all of the systemic issues that contribute to it um, 
and, and vice versa. And then I would just encourage you, if you love to read, look for books, listen to podcasts, uh, meet some of the other like larger federal agencies and some of the people who lead those agencies and, and follow them on social media and, and hear these and ask questions. It's okay to ask because we don't know something. It's okay to find that information and to find the truth rather than um, like perpetuated fairy tales or perpetuated lives. So I just encourage folks to really do your homework. Um, and it, again, please don't ever be afraid to ask questions. I was just at dinner with some friends a couple of weeks ago and one of them made the statement that most uh, folks experiencing homelessness in our home state are mentally ill and I kind of had to kindly course correct him and give him facts and to let him know that that wasn't necessarily true and we had a very open honest fruitful conversation where I think I was able to provide him with the truths and data pieces to back it up and, and sources um, of information where he was able to give me a perspective of what it looks like it it's difficult sometimes for people who are in this work like myself because we have this lens where it's just like you should already know these things you should never like expect the worst of people like you have no idea what got them there like we can be very emotional creatures tied to the work whereas someone who's not in this work can see things at the face value and not know those nuances and the things that are happening behind the scenes so it's nice to have those moments where you get to humble yourselves and humble people around you I love that. I love the point of just saying, never be afraid to ask questions and it's okay not to know because yeah, someone might have never met someone that was experiencing homelessness, have never had a family member or just never had it in their life at all, or even, you know, seen anyone that's homeless or anything like that. So, um, I love that point that it's okay if you don't have the experience and you don't know, and there's always more to learn and grow because you know, I'm sure there's some there's some areas, there's some populations that you yourself probably don't know about, too, you know, that's outside of um, this work. So it's really interesting um, to hear you say that. And I'm really glad you said that. So what is your favorite part of the work that you do at Community Solutions? I think it's the people. Um, one of the things about me being the, the deeply rooted empath that I am is that I, I feel everything to my core. Um, and I know some people use that term lightly, but I, I, I literally mean it. Um, I get so emotional in hearing about success stories from our communities. Um, I get so emotional in hearing about, I, I have really great conversations and relationships with some of my teams and so much so that these folks will come to me on their hardest days and feel defeated because they weren't able to get um, something approved to be able to move someone into a, a permanent housing unit. I get to have moments where they're so excited simply because a new process or procedure just got passed in their community and it's gonna streamline something and improve something. I get to see all these moments and I get to feel it with them. And I love having the opportunity to cheer for them in the background, to give people their moment to shine to give people their moments to learn and to grow, but to give people that opportunity to do some really epic stuff in their communities. And the best part is like, I get to hear about the people that they serve, the people that are thriving. And even for those people that we're having a difficult time with for whatever XYZ reason, every tiny victory matters. It matters. And I just do my best to make sure that my teams know that because this work can be hard. It can be painful. It can be difficult. It can be overwhelming. But at the same time, this work is joyous. This work is meaningful. These people and the things that they're doing are meaningful and the minds that they have are brilliant. And being at Community Solutions, and having that platform and that opportunity to remind people of that every single day is like one of my favorite things about this work. I love that. Yeah, that is such a great thing about working in the nonprofit world because no one's there to make to become a millionaire. No one's in it to make to for the money. No one's in it for the fame and and all of that. People are in it to 
help others and to make a huge difference in the community. So I love, I love that. And it's really cool to hear how passionate that you yourself are about the work that you do and getting up every day to make a difference in the lives of so many people. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So can you share either your favorite story or a few of your favorite stories of people that you have worked with or have helped out of homelessness? Yeah, I will try really hard without giving any identifying information between both stories. I I would love to share a story of of someone that I know um, that went through a homeless experience herself and is now just dominating her workspace and doing really, really great things because I I find her to be one of the most inspiring people I will ever meet. And then I I also would love to tell you just about a story about um, an effort that was done um, in terms of us. I don't want to call it a sweep, but we conducted like an outreach outing in this woman we came across. So first, I would love to start with this woman. Um, I, I will try not to name her name or anything of that sort or where she works, but she was someone who experienced homelessness herself. She um, got actually deeply into drugs and had to experience the trauma of homelessness, but also the traumas of being on the street because that creates uh, more than we will ever know. She was able to get herself some help um, where she was able to go to a detox facility and go into rehab and, and get clean and sober. And then she ended up becoming employed by the very agency that uh, used to outreach to her while she was experiencing homelessness. Um, they gave her a chance after some time she had, like like I said, had gotten sober, um, had went to school and, and got a degree and, and was really just like working on herself and, and building herself in this life. Um, she has become a force to be reckoned with in the homeless sector. The community that she works with and works in now She actually works for a fairly large agency where she is now like a senior director um, who's coordinating housing projects and outreach projects and being also like a a whole mom and and partner on this side and raising these tiny humans and growing this organization and sitting on the board for the continuum of care and working with other providers and, and creating these amazing programs and influencing people around her. And I'm just like, you are the reason why some of us do this work because it is people like you that show us that like, just because you are experiencing this at this time does not mean that you can't work and become a person who is so well respected. Like you are a human and you did this for yourself, by yourself. And here we are praising you because you're teaching us things that we never fully understood or knew about. But again, it comes down to humanizing people and recognizing that just because they are in this experience does not mean that they are any less capable of doing epic, amazing things and transforming their community. Another uh, situation was uh, quite a few years back, there was a big kind of like homeless uh, outreach effort to kind of go around and connect with folks around the city um, to get them connected to services. And there was this one woman that uh, we had all come in contact with who had been experiencing homelessness for quite some time and and was living behind an alley or in an alley behind some dumpsters. The police were involved only because they thought that she might have been um, a danger to herself or a danger to others because she was kind of going through what felt like a a psychosis type like moment. Um, So they had our our crisis intervention team, the homeless outreach team and, and a police officer there just for safety reasons. And they were able to, it turns out she was just really, really dehydrated, rightfully so, um, because in the Valley of the Sun, it is incredibly hot all the time. They were able to kind of talk with her, get her treated for dehydration and figure some things out. They recognized that she was of the older population and they really wanted to get her off the street and get her connected. So she had asked them if they could collect all her belongings because that's all she had. And so they said yes. And so they went back to the area where they found her and picked up these trash bags and they um, kind of brought it all together and they were opening these trash bags to go through the things to make sure that there was no like um, drugs or weapons or like bugs or anything of the sort so she can take them with her into shelter 
Turns out it was actually a very large sum of money that she had been collecting um, for quite some time in her experience of homelessness where she would be on the streets and and you will see people holding those signs saying like, will work for food or anything helps or anything of that sort. Turns out that people had just been generous and gracious and were giving her money and she was saving it. We also later found out that she had someone who actually um, was very much connected to her and had tried to get her into services and get her off the streets, but the friend didn't want to listen. So her friend um, would pick her up at least like once a week and make sure she was showered, make sure she didn't need anything, um, that that she wasn't uh, hurt or anything of that sort. And would uh, spend the whole day or a couple days with her and then take her back where she wanted to go. And she had, the the woman that we had come in contact with had said, hey, this is my friend that you can contact her. She has all of my things. Turns out there was a whole bank account full of money that this woman had been saving. And it was essentially enough to purchase her own home. But she had been on the streets for so long that she was so comfortable. She didn't know what it would have been like to have her own place to like manage her own money or anything of that sort, because where she was, that was her home. That was her space. That was her comfort. Um, the team was able to like work with her and work with her friend and, and figure out some uh, permanent housing options. And she was housed shortly thereafter. Um, there was one story that kind of broke my heart, but it spoke to the testament of the, the wonderful people I've gotten to work with over the years, where this woman, um, incredibly intelligent, I, I believe she held a PhD and actually had gone through like a mental breakdown um, and it just experienced some things and found herself to be experiencing homelessness and actually left her family. Um, I, I believe it was just like her parents and her siblings and moved to another state um, or moved from her home state to here. And the team had been working with her, had taken a, a while to get her connected to um, some mental health services and to, to figure out what were her actual needs. And so they were also able to get her an apartment. And with the apartment, they would still do the follow-up visits to make sure that she was okay, that she was managing things well, and that she didn't need any help with anything. Um, and when they walked into the apartment, the apartment itself was full of trash bags. She had no furniture. It smelled really bad because it was, again, in the middle of summer. There was just, like, food and things everywhere. And I remember they were talking to her to try and figure out, like, okay, did something happen? Um, What's going on? And come to find out that, like, she just didn't know how to exist in this new space because, again, what felt like home to her was sleeping on bags of trash, was getting the feel of sleeping outside, but knowing that she was inside, she would lock her door and her windows every single night. And so she felt that safety and comfort. She was still missing this aspect because she had spent so much time on the streets. Um, through just like coordination and, and collaboration of, of providers, local providers in the area, they were able to get her just some like treatment and like, daily living skills like training and education and and work with her to figure out like how can we make sure that you feel like this is your home and that you can feel comfortable and not have to live on bags of trash in a brand new apartment um and successfully I, i think that they were able to work with her and get her to recognize that like it is okay that she's now thriving she now feels healthy she she would tell us that she finally felt normal and that like weight had been lifted off of her shoulders and i think it's stories like that whether it's people we get to come into contact on the street and i say get to because i'm very much a person is that i don't have to do this work i don't have to speak with people i don't have to meet with you my point is is that i get to I get to do this work. I get to talk to people. I I get to help them. And oftentimes they help me because it's, again, it's a very humbling experience and you learn a lot about yourself and the world around you and people. Um, And so those are some of the stories I think that I can share, the people that I've met, the people that I've worked with and how much they've impacted me, but almost how much, how great it's felt to be able to witness 
them coming out of a bad situation and getting to a place where they feel healthy and safe and whole and valued. Wow. Thank you for sharing those stories and and just sharing a bit about kind of the work that you get to do and, and the amazing people that you get to work with. And I just have to repeat what you said and how you phrased that saying, like you get to help them and it's like not something you have to do, but also the impact that they have on your life. And that just speaks volumes to the work that you do and and the people that you get to work with. And yeah, humanizing them that they're having such an incredible impact on you because they are incredible people and they're just in kind of a bad situation. Thank you for sharing. That was just, I was smiling the whole time that you were sharing those stories. It was amazing. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. So, well, to wrap it up here, what is the best or most recent book that you have read? Oh, so I've been doing a lot of reading. I don't know how everyone else feels, but like now that uh, spring TV shows like Grey's Anatomy, side note, we are not friends if you are not crying on every Grey's Anatomy episode. (laughs) Um, Truth. But I've been just reading a lot. And one of the books that I found to be helpful that was actually recommended to me by um, a group that I'm associated with because we share a common autoimmune disease um, where it kind of, it drains us physically and mentally and emotionally. And again, you heard me talk about earlier that I'm very much an empath to my core. And it was this book called Thriving as an Empath um, by Judith Orloff, I believe. And it's a, a full year daily devotional book about things that you can do to protect yourself to protect your peace and to grow yourself and to honor yourself and remind you that like your body is a work in progress, your mind, your spirit, you need to feed those things daily and protect it because then it is from there that you can pour into other people. Because again, you can never pour from an empty cup, but you also can't have people pouring into you while you're trying to pour out because that just cancels each other out. Right. Um, so that's one of my, my favorite books that I've read. Um, another one that I actually just read just for fun was called such a fun age. I believe it's by Kylie Reed. Um, really good book and page turner. And if you've never read it and you're into something and you just need something different, I I encourage you to pick that book up. What's it about? So, uh, such a fun age. is just about like a group of girlfriends in their, I want to say like early twenties of just going out and experiencing life. Um, And one of the girls is a babysitter and she kind of experiences these weird, um, feel like somewhat racial moments, but she experiences them in a way that any person who picks up this book can 100% relate to. And it's just a very like, feel good story because you're just like, man, I remember the nights that I was in college going out with my girlfriends and tearing it up at the club all night or having a girl's night or or being, if you have younger siblings or if you were ever a babysitter that you got to hang out with those tiny humans and do all the things that tiny humans get to do, like jumping in bounce houses and face painting and, and, and trying to discover the world and things like that. And it was just a really cool book just to kind of hear, um, that how someone else might be experiencing that part of their life. Oh, okay. And so is it fiction or nonfiction? I believe it is fiction. Okay. I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay. So who or what is illuminating or inspiring you right now? Oh, this is a good one. Um, I would say what is illuminating me right now is that I think that the world, um, as much turmoil and strife that we've experienced over the past year, but even so more more recently, that there are still good people in the world that show you that things matter, um, that show you that people matter. And when I get to see moments like that, that to me is just fulfilling. And I think that we are headed for a better place. I love it. And what is an organization that you would like to illuminate? Yeah, quickly, I would actually like to eliminate two. One of them is called the Arizona Coalition for Change. This was a a nonprofit organization created by one of our Arizona State representatives, Reginald Boulding and his wife, Simone Boulding, um, that cultivates 
young leaders and gets them involved in legislation and politics in their community and advocacy and education. Um, They're just so amazing. And they came out with this uh, group called the Young Black Organizers Project, which I was luckily enough to be a fellow of, where every week we got to talk about legislative bills and how that may or may not impact communities. We got to meet different representatives from our state to talk about some of the things that they, charges that they've led, things they've got to do and the calls to action that they they present to us. And then the other one I um, wanted to illuminate, I'm very much a person who loves like graphic t-shirts with like serious messages on them. You'll catch me in a meeting sometimes that says a shirt that says per my last email um (laughs) things like that um or like social justice and and homelessness those are very much like big issues there's this clothing company here in arizona called be heard clothing and it actually is by created by um, an indigenous male who's trying to be bring awareness and messaging to the serious like atrocities and, and seriousness of the murdered and missing indigenous women within arizona and across the nation and he's uh again selling these shirts, bringing awareness. And I I just find it to be so inspiring because I often feel like that that's one of the topics that is very fewly talked about that is very, very important and real. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like someone I need to have on the podcast. That's such a cool way to do it too, to put it on a shirt and just something that's so, you know, great for advertising, right? Someone's walking around with a message um, that's important for so many people to hear. Yeah. All right. So to wrap it up, what is your one message to send to the world? Oh, I probably should have thought about this a little bit more, but I'm just going to speak from my heart. Um, Be good. Be good to yourself. Be good to people around you. Um, You don't know their story. You don't know what battle they are or are not fighting that day. And just remember to celebrate every tiny victory. Celebrate it with joy. Celebrate it with your people. Celebrate it by yourself. Five second dance party. Anything you can use to celebrate it, but just celebrate every tiny victory. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation. And thank you to Shante for coming on the podcast and chatting with me. If you want to learn more about what Community Solutions is doing and follow along with their progress, you can find them on their website at community.solutions. And I hope Shantae really inspired you to go out there and make an impact in your community as well, whether it's through volunteering, donating, getting involved with local government, or however you think you can make an impact. If you loved this episode of the podcast, we would love to hear about it. Please share about it on social media and make sure to tag us on Instagram at the Illuminate Podcast or on Twitter at Illuminate underscore pod. I'm so grateful as always for you being here this week and listening to my conversation. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your week.